Father, this evening we just come to you. Speak to us. Teach us. Teach us, Lord. We need to know more and more about you, not less. We need to understand more and more about how the spiritual kingdoms work so that we are not trapped, we are not enticed, we are not led into bondage. And we are not left out when the bridegroom comes. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Even today. To hear, to understand how to hear. And to obey. Above all, to obey. When we know it's you who is speaking. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you were there last uh, Sunday and the previous Sundays, you uh, know, uh, though we teach you about um, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of uh, light. No? I just want you to listen with discernment and with wisdom. Because young people, instead of understanding how it works, they the enemy takes them into an unhealthy interest in the kingdom of darkness and into the occult, stay away. Stay away. You do deliverance, do it only for yourself. Don't do it for others. Don't get into this ministry unless you are called. Because you have no clue what you are getting into. One thing Lucifer doesn't like is being exposed. And you expose him, be prepared that you are ready. Okay, so stay away from unhealthy stuff. Don't get into too much into the Google and internet and search all the stuff. Don't do it. Okay, just try to understand it and apply it into our personal lives because you see, a lot of people, I believe, don't need healing or more messages. I really believe they need deliverance before they can actually start hearing, listening, and obeying. Deliverance in the body, maybe deliverance in the mind. You see an incredibly intellectual, religious Pharisee like Saul of Tarsus, Apostle Paul, needed an incredible encounter with the living God and be blinded literally for three days so that he could understand his intellectual depravity. And to see the difference between light and darkness before you would receive the light of God. Okay, so we have to understand intellectual, the bondage of the mind can be much, much more terrible than the bondage of the body. And sometimes we don't sense the bondage in the body and we think we are free without realizing the bondage of the mind can be even more dangerous. Long portion from the Old Testament to actually show you in real terms what happens when we choose not to listen to God and walk in the light. Okay? This is from Israel's history. Shall I have the first one? Second Kings. Okay? It's a long portion I'm going to read. Okay? Listen. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hosea, the son of Elah, became king of Israel in Samaria and he reigned nine years. He did evil. In the sight of the Lord, not as the kings of Israel who were before him. Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against him, and Hosea became his vassal, means servant, 
and paid him tribute money. And the king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy by Hosea, for he had sent messengers to Saul, the king of Egypt, and brought no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land, went up to Samaria, besieged it for three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Hala by the Habor, the river of Gosan, in the cities of the Medes. So, for so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from the hand, under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and they had feared other gods, and had walked in the statutes of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel, and of the kings of Israel which they had made. Also the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right. And they built for themselves high places in all the cities from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves sacred pillars and wooden images on every high hill, under every green tree. There they burned incense on all the high places like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them. And they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all his prophets, every seer saying, turn from your evil ways, keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by servants of prophets. Nevertheless, they would not hear. But they stiffened their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he had testified against them. They followed idols, became idolaters, went after the nations who were all around them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them, they should not do like them. So they left all the commandments of the Lord their God, made for themselves a molded image and two calves, made a wooden image and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire, practice witchcraft and soothsaying, sold themselves to evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. And there was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. Also, Judah did not keep the commands of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, delivered them into the hand of the plunderers until he had cast them from his sight. For he tore Israel from the house of David and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. The Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam which he did. They did not depart from them. Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight as he had said by all his servants the prophets. So Israel was carried away from their own land to Assyria as it is to this day. There is one portion in the Bible which tells you what you do. Influenced by the kingdom of darkness and how finally when we keep rejecting what God has said, ultimately what will happen. So this is no joke. This is a very, 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 very serious thing. And people, like I said, no, the most dangerous thing of darkness is if you are blind. Like Pastor Vijay and we were talking on Monday and he was, he was saying that if you are blind and you go to sleep at night, and you wake up in the morning, the morning makes no difference to you. Because it's still dark. 
Okay. So people who walk in darkness have no clue they are walking in darkness. So be very careful as we hear, listen carefully, do not allow the enemy, you know, to take over our thinking. Because the reality is not what we see. It is something else. In Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, this is what Paul says. While we do not look at the things which are seen, actually we look at the things that are seen. But he's saying, believers, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There are two things which we do not see. One is heaven, the other is hell. Both are eternal. What we see is temporary. So don't make temporary choices which will affect your eternity. Like Esau. Lord of these things are temporary. They will just pass away. If you just stand still, they will pass away. But we don't stand still. We make eternal choices based on temporary things. Hunger will pass away. Anger will pass away. Lust will pass away. Desires will pass away. The world and its desires will pass away. Do not make an eternal choice based on passing desires. Okay, that's why we learn, so we learn to make choices. So when we come to this realm in which we live, we have to make a mental in our minds an adjustment. Today when you came into the house of God, those who came on their own and those who were brought, both of you make a mental adjustment. We have to say to ourselves, I am not going to limit myself to my five senses. But Lord, open my heart and mind to the revelation of you that is in scripture through your Holy Spirit. Not five senses alone. Reveal to me, Lord, who you are as we study scripture. That's why, remember, all our old prayers, old days, how we prayed, Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.17, Lord, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because unless we see that the things that are not seen are eternal. And God opens our eyes to eternal things. We will caught in the temporal. And we will make temporal decisions. Eternal decisions based on temporal without even knowing. When Esau was so hungry and he told his brother, who cares for the birthright? Take it. Give me some dal. <laughs> Imagine selling a birthright for dal. Telugu pappu. <laughs> Can you believe it? It was something that was eternal. And it threw it away for Dal. No. And David, Samson. No. So, thank God we are in the new covenant because we can repent, allow the blood to cleanse us so completely, cleanse us a deep cleansing that nothing remains, and start our race again. What they couldn't do, we can. But do not no, take it for granted. See, the devil has an advantage over us. He knows how the kingdom of God functions. He understands what happened on the cross. He understands. He knows he was defeated completely and that defeat is irreversible. He can never win again. It's gone. He's been defeated. But just because he was defeated on the cross, his nature doesn't change. 
His nature is still the same. John 10.10 tells us the resume of his this man. This not this man, this creature. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, to destroy. That's his nature. That's his job, job profile. If you were to put his resume, he would write it like that. He won't tell his truth, but he will like, no, color it nicely. But that's what he is. He's a liar, he's a murderer, he's a thief, and he's a rule breaker. What we say in American English, Satan is a career criminal. Meaning he's taken criminal behavior as his career. So there's a difference between a criminal and a career criminal. A career criminal is not going to obey the law unless someone enforces it. Okay? Someone enforces it. Most of us sitting over here, we just need the red light. We'll stop. But some guys, you need that fellow with the lati hanging around there, then only he will stop. Red light doesn't stop him because he's a career criminal. Okay? The challan doesn't work because the bike is not his. Okay. Okay. Cameras don't work because you know he wears this hoodie kind of thing which covers his nose and only his eyes are popping out. So these things don't work with him. The only thing is that fellow swinging the lati that works. Okay. So remember, Satan is a career criminal. He doesn't keep the rules unless somebody enforces the rules, the laws. And it is our job to enforce the power and the authority of the kingdom of God on him that he Stays aware. And if you think the enemy cannot rob or steal or mess with our lives, we are mistaken. Okay, we are mistaken. Let me, I'm just giving you the introduction. Okay. We know by now salvation happens when the Holy Spirit actually takes residence in our spirit. But after that, the battle begins. The battle is to capture and to eject the enemy forces and establish the kingdom of God over our entire life, soul and body. Okay? It was enemy territory. We have to get... That's what... Don't confuse salvation with sanctification and deliverance. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, scriptures say, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless. Okay. So from the day of salvation, the battle begins. The battle is the battle to capture territory which is occupied by the enemy, the devil. Now, don't feel so righteous because there are so many parts of our mind and even our body still could be enemy territory, especially ear, tongue, and eyes. Okay? And we need discernment and power to be able to identify those areas and battle it until we are able to see the kingdom of God in its reality. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 talks about how God has made provision in the new covenant. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So he has given us everything which pertains to that victorious life which leads to godliness. 
Okay? By which having been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. He has given us promises. The Bible is full of promises. Okay? That through these you may be partakers of not the human nature or the demonic nature, but God's own nature. We partake of his nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world that is through lust. Okay, We have to get rid of that old nature by partaking of the new nature. The promises are there. There is knowledge. There is knowledge. There is power. Remember two, three Sundays of NSTs back, I said, whether in the kingdom or in the world, to succeed, you need two things. You need knowledge, you need power. You need education, you need money. Okay? Or knowledge, not even education. Even if you want to be a good thief, you need knowledge and you need power. You can have excellent brains, but you don't have money. You won't go far. Okay? In the world, knowledge and power. In the kingdom of God, it is the same. He has given us divine power and the knowledge, very knowledge of who God is. Every promise mentioned over there is ours by faith. And the evidence of our faith is of obedience to God's word. See, deliverance outside must go in hand with deliverance in the mind. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It is not difficult to deliver a person's body, demonic oppression on the body. But to deliver a person's mind is even more difficult. One is a sin which is a bondage outside, which is in the body. The other is an idea that empowers that sin. To get rid of this, Especially when it has become a conviction. A wrong conviction. Okay, let's, let's, let's use examples which we understand. Let's take a very common issue. Eating. Overeating or unhealthy eating. And we see the result of it, which is obesity and various illnesses. Okay? We want a change. And in most cases, if you have noticed, it doesn't last. Why? We want a change because we see the result in a mirror or in a medical report. Okay? Are you getting it? But the change we look for doesn't last. We join for a diet course and exercise. And we lose a little weight. But our mindset hasn't changed. Because our mindset doesn't change, a little later we have reverted back. Reverted. How do you change your mindset? Whether you are in the world or whether you are in the kingdom, about this simple thing about eating. In the kingdom, let me explain to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, do you not know you are the temple of God? You are the spirit and the spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So it's a critical question. Don't you know? Don't you know who you are? Let's go to a little more clearer. The next one. Or do you not know that now from you 
the three part person to your body. Okay. Now, this is a change of mindset. When you receive this, not only will your medical report change, it will remain changing. Because now your mind is changing. You look at it and says, you know what? My body is the temple of the living God. I was bought at a price. I need to glorify God in your bo- in my body. So we are specifically applying these words to what? To our eating. In this particular case. Suddenly start what happens? You start changing the way you eat and what you drink. Why? Because the mindset has changed. Otherwise what is happening? We are just emotionally moved by the figure in the mirror. And then we go, we pay our money through the nose, got a crash course, and we then do the jogging and everything. We lose a little weight and we are feeling good and without realizing, because mindset hasn't changed, we go back to the old form of eating. And a little later we realize, we look in the mirror, 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 tell me who is. The mirror says, you are. (laughs) You know, what happened? Mindset didn't change. Mindset... You know how secular people who do not believe in God, who don't believe in God, you know what motivates them is something bigger. Like I'll tell you, my second of my older brothers, no, he doesn't believe, he doesn't go, he hasn't entered the portals of a church unless he's visiting by some chance here. He doesn't go, he doesn't believe, it does nothing. But you know, he was overweight by their standards, not obese, but overweight by your standards. And he went on such a crazy diet and lost weight and he's fit as a fiddle. He's three years older than me. You know what made him change? He looked at his medical report and said, I want to live long for my children. That one thing. I want to live long for my three children. You know, something has to change here to see that your deliverance in your body has to last. If our mindset doesn't change, we will go back, revert a little later and we will become Actually, in most cases, even more worse. This is not a, this is not a joke. This is serious because it has, these things have to become convictions that breaks the enemy's stronghold. Because in most cases, people, I believe, don't need healing. They need deliverance. Because they have compulsive habits, which actually in the demonic realm is demonic. We don't realize in the actual spiritual realm is demonic. Demons are hanging in there. If you looked in the mirror, 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 I wish there was a mirror like that for everybody. We all looked in the mirror and we see the spiritual reality. Wow. And you know, suddenly you see a spiritual x-ray vision of your throat and you see two hammocks and two demons hanging over there. One is saying, biryani will come now. Abhi ayega biryani. Another is saying, soda ayega abhi, soda. If you were really to see, and I'm not even kidding, most of the stuff we partake, we are not eating it for our body or glorifying. We are eating it because we are compulsive eaters. We are addicts to certain substances because Others are hanging in there. Deliverance begins in the mind. You look back at the children of Israel in the desert. You know what? You could give the manna and fresh water. Manna and fresh water. They're absolutely fit as a fiddle. But the demons are hanging over there waiting for meat and fish and 
cucumbers of all the foods of Egypt. All the foods of Egypt. And that is causing that craving. Because here nothing has changed. They look in the mirror. There was no mirror. But if they looked in the mirror, they are fit. No deliverance over there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 12 and 13. Again in terms of food here. All things are lawful for me. But all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now, body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Here, let's, because you're thinking only about foods, let us look at that. Just God says, food for the stomach, stomach for the food, and God will destroy both. both. If your body is for the Lord, the Lord is for your body. Now, we're strictly looking in terms of spiritual operation in the body alone. God says, why are you keep on asking me for healing when you like your bondage? Why do you keep asking me for healing when you actually love your bondage? The children of Israel did not want to go to the promised land. They wanted the promised land to look like Egypt. Understand, we need deliverance. Here. Once that happens, when we realize, you know what? Healing is not a small thing. It's not a difficult thing. You can walk in your healing. You can walk in your healing. That's part of your father's table, your daily bread. Remember, stomach is temporary. Eternity is calling us. What will be destroyed? Food and stomach. Both are temporary. Both will be destroyed. And God says, don't sell out your eternity for something to which you get bound to. Yes, grace is available. But if I reject that grace and make excuses to act in accordance with my own desires instead of God's will, I actually find myself outside of God's covenant by my disobedience. In that particular area. If I want a promise of a blessing, I need to make sure I am following the spiritual principles outlined in God's word. Because scripture is very clear. Whatever I sow, I will reap in kind. That law doesn't change. Grace doesn't change that law. The enemy has no issues with all our gatherings. As long as our convictions don't change according to the word of God. There's no issues. As long as we continue to sow in the flesh, Galatians 6, 7 and 8, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting. God says you cannot sow in the flesh and reap life and say I am under grace. He says it doesn't work. Grace doesn't work like that. It simply doesn't. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. 
So remember the promise in Peter. We are saved through his divine nature from the corruption of the world through lust. You cannot say I'm receiving the promises of God and the anointing of God and I'm going to partake of the corruption of the world and I will be free. God says it doesn't work like that. It simply doesn't work like that. That's the primary tactic of the enemy. That's how witchcraft operates. I said, told two, three Sundays back, witchcraft is the power arm of the Satan's kingdom. And witchcraft has two natural aspects. One, sorry, two aspects. One natural and one supernatural. Much about this I have learned from my spiritual mentor whom I never met called Derek Prince. And from experience. Okay? I'm telling you, that man... And this is one of the foolish things which why that's why I say, always say don't be emotional. Because the problem is if you're an emotional believer, you will never listen to Derek Prince. He's, he's, I mean, to be honest, he's got a very boring style. But if you love the word and are interested in your freedom, you can sit for hours with your notebook and your Bible and learn. Emotional believers will look for those who will jump and dance and feed your flesh. And God, I think, deliberately has servants like Derek Prince to test us. You know? So, witchcraft has a natural aspect and a supernatural aspect. In the natural aspect, you will see in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, and idolatry and witchcraft. Okay? Idolatry and witchcraft is the natural manifestation of the enemy's kingdom in my flesh. That is the natural. Where does idolatry and witchcraft affect my flesh? It leads to demonic control. Now do you remember when flesh, Israel, flesh, asked for a king and picked a king according to the flesh, tall, handsome, smart, anointed him. His final estimate about him through the prophet who anointed him by God is this in 1 Samuel 15. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and what is there in my flesh? Idolatry and witchcraft. How does it manifest as rebellion and stubbornness? So the question is, we have to ask is that in my life as I am proceeding forward, am I more obedient or am I getting more rebellious? Am I stubborn? Am I stubborn? That's how you assess. This is a spiritual pathology report. Or radiology report, whatever report you want. Am I, am I rebellious? Or am I stubborn? And we, the rebellious and the stubborn think actually in this world they are free. Nobody can tell me what to do without realizing it entirely under the control of the demonic realm and you are doing what they want you to do. That is what we are talking about darkness. You think you are free. That's what Jesus told the Pharisees. 
If you said you were blind, you could see. But because you say you see, you are blind. That's how the enemy controls. He uses the flesh to trap man. And two things we need to constantly cross-check our life is rebellion and stubbornness. Okay? Now, disobedience is not a rebellion always. Okay? Sometimes we have to disobey so that we can obey God. Okay? Daniel disobeyed. Uh, the Daniel's three friends uh, disobeyed. But they were not rebellious. Okay? Understand. Okay? <clears throat> Witchcraft, when it works in the flesh... Okay, it can be very, very stubborn, consistently stubborn. Let's look at an example, okay, how a strong person is brought down, an anointed strong person is brought down by the stubbornness of witchcraft. In Judges chapter 16, she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me and these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies and it came to pass when she... Pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Two things are operating here in the spiritual realm. Here is a man who is anointed and here is a woman under the power of witchcraft. It's stubborn. It won't give up over and over and over and over and over and over until it has its way. So you tell me who was strong, Samson or Delilah? Okay. On the other hand, Joseph was strong because he had never opened any door and given the enemy a toehold in his life. You know why this guy is weak? He's weak in one area because that's the area he has always opened doors. He's strong in other areas, but the devil knows which area he is weak. Joseph, on the other hand, is strong. There's no open doors in his life. So, the witchcraft, the spiritual realm, working through flesh is not able to work. In Genesis 39, verse 10, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Did you see? It's not working. The same. It's the same. It's not working. On the other hand, the difference between Samson and Joseph is interesting. Samson had a choice where to be. Joseph did not have a choice where to be. Nobody manipulated Samson's will. But this man, poor man has no will. He's a slave. Yet witchcraft has no power over him. Well, witchcraft enslaves the other man. So always try to discern how witchcraft, the power of Satan, works in the flesh, in the world. And especially women, be careful. Especially when you get married, get be careful. Don't pester. Honestly, it's not even a joke. That's one of the way a woman, witchcraft works through a woman. And most men cannot handle it. So they just say, okay, take it and leave me alone. You have to be very, very careful. Even in Christian homes. Christian homes. Be very careful. Witchcraft works in Christian, charismatic, Pentecostal homes. It works. 
Because how do you know? You know the way it functions. So we have to understand how it functions to see that, oh boy, I want this done, but I'm not doing it this way. I'm going to get into my closet and I want to pray. I'm not going to pester my husband until I have my way. Because if I have my way, the way may be right. The method was absolutely demonic and I'll be judged for the method. Be very careful. Because that's how the enemy subverts everything, always produces illegitimate authority or he subverts authority. So always learn how the kingdom of God works and how the kingdom of darkness works so that we will. This is all for our personal freedom to finish. Honestly, the more I study about these kingdoms and I see all the people in the Bible, I realize why I see now the number of actual overcomers must be A very small number. Most, honestly, most people are not interested in their personal freedom and deliverance because it's a battle. It's a personal battle. Okay. So we need to understand and we need to understand how it works because the self, the flesh, where the self dwells, the old man dwells, is the target of witchcraft of the enemy. Look at the work of the cross in our lives. Let's look at this, First Corinthians 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross. That's why you see almost everywhere that message of the cross is being taken away. Why? Because it was through the cross, Jesus administered the total defeat of Satan. And nothing can change. Where was Satan defeated? He was not defeated on the battlefield. He was defeated on the cross. And the message of the cross is something the devil hates. And the carnal man and the carnal believer also hates. So you can see, I can have the word, the anointing, and the prayer, which are powerful weapons against the enemy, but put aside the cross, and I will still be defeated at the end. I have the anointing, I have the word, and I have prayer. Okay? But I put aside the cross, and I can still be defeated. Because one of the primary ways the devil works of witchcraft is to hide the work of Christ on the cross. That's what Paul is telling the Galatian church in 3.1. We have read it so many times. Oh foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. How did you come under the power of witchcraft? You that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as what? Among you as crucified. How did you forget the cross so fast? How did you forget that the the death of self so fast? Once the cross and the working of the cross is hidden from our eyes, we are already defeated. Though the enemy will give us an illusion that we are winning. We are already defeated. That's why Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me daily. That's the only way we can win. We need word, we need anointing, we need prayer. But we also need equally, we need the cross. Okay. How does, how does when the cross is not working in my life and in your life, how does the enemy manipulate? 
Okay? Manipulate. If the cross is not there in my life, I will not be able to see it. But when the cross comes into it, I am able to see it in my life or somebody else's. Which is none of my business under that, unless that person is under my authority. Otherwise, it's none of my business. How does the devil through witchcraft promote? How does he do that? One, he promotes the carnal over the spiritual. Okay? Old Testament examples. He will promote Ishmael over Isaac. Anything that promotes self. Okay. So even when the blessings is being promised and the covenant of the cutting away of the flesh is going to take place. Remember Genesis chapter 17? Cut away the flesh because you relied on the flesh and God is saying through Sarah and all the promises. Still what is Abraham saying? Bless Ishmael. He's putting the flesh above the spiritual. The carnal above the spiritual. And if you honestly, I hope it is not. Now, right now, talking here in this format, you were in school, college in the morning, and you are in the church in the evening. In the evening, you have put the spiritual above the carnal. But the question is, are you enjoying it? Are you appreciating it or are you struggling? Okay. In John chapter 5 verse 19, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. What is he doing? He says, I will never project myself. I will never. Never project myself. I will only do what my father tells me. So you will see this pattern. When the spiritual goes, and the spiritual goes, even Isaac, a spiritual man, when the spiritual goes, he will promote Esau over Jacob. When the spiritual goes, It happens all over the world, especially in ministry. When the spiritual goes, senior pastors promote their carnal children into ministry, forgetting the spiritual in the church. I was joking in the evening while getting out because our youngest child is there. Okay, So I was telling she, as I was leaving, she was telling me, but Neville is your favorite child. I said, yeah, of course, he's my favorite child. I said, why? He's the only one who listens to what I say. So I said, therefore, he shall inherit my kingdom. And she replied back, I'll take half from him. <laughs> okay. Are you getting it? We don't realize our choices are always often carnal. Even when you pick your friends. You go to school. Who do you pick as your friends? Nobody wants to be friendly with that poor fellow who sits in the front that is looking and studying, looking and studying. Everybody avoids him. Isn't it true? He's friendless. He's mocked because he's always on time. We call him, we mock him by saying teacher's pet. You know why? 
Because you choose the carnal over the spiritual. Look at your friends. I don't know who your friends are. Look at your friends. You will know what you choose. Okay? That's what bullying is all about. You know why you get bullied? Or you bully others in your in your school or in your homes, wherever you stay. Why you bully? Because it's the carnal in you, despising the spiritual in somebody else. That's why the ten older brothers bullied the youngest brother, Joseph, because they were carnal and he was spiritual. So when you bully somebody, remember who you are and what power you are working. It's not definitely the Holy Spirit. Okay? So witchcraft, when it operates, will always cause you to pick the carnal over the spiritual. And because you know a little scripture here and there hidden in the dark recesses of your mind, you will try to soothe your conscience by saying, but I'm hoping to bring him or her to the Lord one day. On the other hand, he or she takes you into the world all days. Doesn't happen. Very, very rarely does it happen. Okay, so first thing, understand. When witchcraft works, how do you see its effects? We promote the carnal at the expense of the spiritual. Second thing, it's a little difficult for small children, but the older ones will understand. We choose theology over revelation. And most of the issues in the kingdom of God in the church originates from exalting human thinking to the revelation of what God says. That's a problem. We prefer theology to revelation. Revelation is hard work. Theology is not so difficult. All you need is five concordances and ten others who read some portion. Sit with them and you get your theology. Revelation demands to be accountable before God because there is only one revealer When the Holy Spirit comes, he is the one who reveals. And the person who reveals happens to be the most sensitive person in the universe. Okay. So we prefer theology. We don't want revelation. And churches are run on theology. And not on revelation. You get it? We don't need theology as much as we need revelation. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. With all his theological knowledge, understanding of the kingdom of God, John the apostle could have never written the book of revelation. It had to be revealed to him. Okay. Third thing. Witchcraft. In the church, we are leaving the world aside, okay? Witchcraft in the church exalts education above discipleship. Jesus did not just educate, he discipled. He discipled. See, my issue is not with education. People think I have a con. I'm educated, okay? But I also am discipled. I have no issues with education. The problem is education and there is an ideology behind it. Let's say engineering. Engineering is a noble profession. It's engineering that has created all these structures. But there can be an ideology behind engineering which results in the Tower of Babel. Let us 
make for ourselves a name in competition with God. Okay? So Babylon is an engineering marvel, but the ideology behind is demonic. So there's no problem with engineering. The problem is with the ideology. Medical profession is an incredibly noble profession. But you can take that noble profession, have a demonic ideology, which actually has invented multiple ways of killing babies in the womb at any stage. What justifies it? It's a demonic ideology. What was not possible... Like in most old ancient days, they had potions and usually the woman died and all kind of crazy stuff they did. But now, boy, late-term pregnancy also not a problem. So you see, we took something that was noble and a demonic ideology came into it. And now what did we do? We have exalted education over discipleship. So we have educated criminals walking and working, not disciples. Jesus was not educating the twelve. He was discipling them. And what happens is, when witchcraft comes in, we exalt education over discipleship. And God says, it's witchcraft. If the training you receive is not combined to serving, it's going to create the opposite result. Because the educated thing, they ought to be served. One thing I have noticed is the more people get educated, the less they like serving. The more educated they get, the less. They feel their education has disqualified them from picking a broom, mopping the floor, washing their own clothes. Somehow it's, we don't even realize somehow these things start setting into our minds. You know, and when daddy or mommy says, pick up your, you're thinking, you know what? I'm in class 12 now, wash my clothes? Isn't that what the maid is for? Because the maid is not educated, you see. She's not educated. There's no issue with the maid washing the clothes, but check how your mind works. Yet in real terms, the most educated person who ever walked on earth was Jesus. One one of the key factors in Jesus' life, why he overcame the power of witchcraft, is seen in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a... This is the key. He took the form of a servant. And Isaiah 42 and verse 1, 42 verse 1, Behold my, see Jesus is king, Jesus is high priest, Jesus is prophet, Jesus is all these things, but the father calls him my servant. And we don't want to call ourselves servant. We want to call ourselves according to Jesus' proclamation, I am king, I am prophet, I am priest, I am all this, but... He is servant. I will tell you why this is so important. This is why this is so important. How many of you remember the, the, the Luke 17, remember? When Jesus was talking about forgiveness and they said increase our faith. 
right? And after that, he gave a small parable or a story or an illustration about a man and his servant. The master came back and he expected in the evening, after the whole day's work, the servant to wait on him, cook his meal, feed him and not go do your own thing. And after he's finished everything, then the servant has the leave to go and he does not even say a thank you. Very offensive to the modern mind. Okay? But what is Jesus trying to say? That servant could have personal issues, family issues, but when it came to serving his master, he would let nothing affect it. That's how you break the power of witchcraft. I am, I may have personal issues. I may have personal issues, but I never forget I am his servant. And I'm not going to let these things stop me from serving him. Do you think the servant did not have issues? Of course he had. Everybody has. But did that stop him from serving his master? The question is, what stops you from being the servant of God? What stops you? Because I'll tell you what. I do not listen to sob stories. Unbelievers, yes. Believers who have heard the word, learned the word, no, don't tell me your pity stories. It makes no difference to me. Why? Because he's given you grace, he's given you understanding, and if you believe, all things are possible. Poor me. That's an excuse to come under witchcraft, not to serve God. Self-pity is demonic. Because one of those most fantastic verses in the gospel according to Mark is that when Jesus rose from the dead, the only one, the only human being ever to see Jesus before he ascended to the Father on the first day was Mary Magdalene who was possessed of seven demons and delivered. Only person before he ascended. And then he came back and the others saw. The only person. So if she who was completely possessed and delivered and could have that incredible experience. God says, what's your excuse? Don't live on this pity party and sympathy party and all. Acknowledge the mistakes you have made. Confess it. Forget the iniquity of your forefathers. Says it's under the blood. I am a new person. This is what I know. This is what my God is. I believe. I obey. My breakthrough is here. And I'm going to be consistent. And he will break through for me. Instead, we come under this pity party of the devil. And we say, you know, nothing happened for me because this one did that to me, that one did, my father didn't send me to that school. Come on. Where is God in this whole picture? So do not exalt education about discipleship. Be a disciple. The commission is to be a disciple. Fourth one. Okay? How the enemy operates. He exalts psychology over discernment, or word of knowledge, or word of wisdom. Whichever way you want to look at it. Psychology over discernment. Witchcraft exalts psychology. First know this. Much, much of psychology is demonic in origin. If not, most of it is demonic in origin. And we know what we do. We use psychology about discernment. 
That's how witchcraft comes in. If you have a degree in psychology, you'll get a job in the government. If you have a spirit of discernment, God will employ you. Depends upon who you want to work for. When Jesus met people, he never used psychology. Imagine Jesus and the Samaritan woman sitting and talking. Okay, tell me about your childhood. Oh, you got abused at six. Oh, oh, that's why you picked up all these men. Were they all abusers? Nothing. Look, you had five husbands. And you're living with the sixth one. That's not psychology, that's discernment. That's discernment. He just diagnosed the problem. You want to be free? You want to be free? This is the issue. You deal with the issue, you are free. For the Son of Man came to set captives free. Luke chapter 7 verse 48. He said to her, Yeah? Yeah, censor. We don't say that. We mollycoddle them. Oh, I am so sorry. We also cry with them. You went through all this in life. God says, hang on. You know why she is there? Unrepented sins. Just let it go. You are free. Matthew 9 and verse 2. Behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, the paralytic, son, be a good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. See, when we don't have discernment, you know, first we will stand there in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and we bind and we, we shout and scream. I like what Derek Prince once said. Even deaf and mute spirits, you don't have to shout at them because they are not deaf. The man is deaf. The spirit is not deaf. The thing is that when we don't, it's, it's like what doctors do. No, when he doesn't have a diagnosis of what your actual illness is, he gives you what is called a broad spectrum antibiotic. General, something will hit you. <laughs> when it doesn't work and you come back after five days, he says, go, don't do all these tests and come. Now you got it. Jesus doesn't give broad spectrum antibiotic. This is not easy. This is not easy. For this to happen, that man who is called to that ministry has to be connected to God. And to be connected to God, you need to be separated from the world. And we don't want that. We want to be connected to God and connected to the world like this. God says you will fall in between. See, there is a price to be paid for anything you receive from God after salvation. The question is, are we willing to pay the price? So it's not psychology, it is discernment. Because psychology will always give you a crutch to lean on. And our problems never go away. Psychology can actually make your situation worse. Now you feel that you, are, you deserve entitlement because of all what you went through. Oh, this is what you even did the child? 
Now you are always, anybody you go, you get their ear, you do want to hear my story? Yeah, this is what I mean. Now your crutch has become a little more bigger. Jesus doesn't, okay? He goes to the man who's crippled for 38 years and he tells him, pick up your mat and go. Stop making excuses. Get up and go. The grace of God has arrived that can set any man, any woman, any child free. Stop making excuses. But we prefer psychology. Again, fifth one, how witchcraft works. We put programs over divine leading, divine direction. Jesus never had a program. Jesus had a person. We through the Bible, we see early in the morning. I love it. Early in the morning. I don't because I sit late in the night. So it's kind of early, but not really early. Like the past two days when I came back from this visit was interesting. First, I come back here and first I see this morning also, miss call. There's a miss call on my phone. Okay. 3.20 a.m. Again, 3.20 a.m. Miss call. I don't know whose number it is, so I text by saying hello, who it is. I thought it was an emergency. Who will call you at 3.20 in the morning? And it happens to be one of the sisters who comes, the only believer in an unbelieving family, who is not even allowed to go to church on a Sunday, so hides and comes for these kind of meetings where I go. She gives that mixed call and says, I'm so sorry, Pastor Babu, for disturbing you, but 8.3.20 in the morning, I am the first one to wake up, and I give these missed calls to 45 of my friends who rise up to pray. Three twenty in the morning. Forty-five ladies up in the mountains who do not have the privilege of our teaching were not even allowed to go to church. Wake up to pray. That's how you receive direction. The disciples were simply sent out and they were led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying there should not be structure. But the structure should not take preeminence over divine guidance. Because we serve a living God. And the Bible from the beginning teaches us about a God who guides. Abraham, do this, do this, go there, stop there. I said, don't go. Jacob, yes, you can go. And Israel, the rebellious people, led 40 years by the cloud and by the fire. David, don't fight this way, fight this way. Next battle, don't fight that way, fight this way. All through it. What do we see? We see guidance. See, when we are guided by God and we obey it, all the results are in his hands. People don't even realize how much pressure it takes off. Programs demand lot of work on our hand. Burden is ours. Guidance, the burden is his. 
The thing is that, you know, structure is good to work. Structure is good. We need structure. But we are not dependent upon structure. We serve a living God. We serve a living God. And whether you are a child, whether you are an older person, we serve a living God. And he is a father. And he guides. So don't let program define you. Be led by God. Because we take the work of the Holy Spirit and put him away. And now we do his work and we find it is too much. It is too much. Let me see the time I have. One more, maybe. Witchcraft exalts eloquence over the power of the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit. You know what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2? I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We'll come to the later verses also. What he's saying is that, I am not going to let witchcraft obscure Christ. I am not going to let eloquence, which is what politicians want, obscure the power of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, in chapter 17, Paul goes to Athens. Athens is the intellectual capital of the then world. And this is what they did beautifully described in the way only God can describe. And all Athenians are foreigners who were there, spend their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. Bakwas. Intellectual bakwas. I'm sure if there was no coffee then, but if there were coffee, Athens would have been full of coffee shops and everybody is having intellectual discussions like happens in JNU Canteen and Iflu Canteen. <laughs> That's all they do, sit and talk. Sit and talk. You know what? Paul tried the same thing in verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. He tried an intellectual, eloquent approach. The results were very limited. Very, very, very limited. Verse 32 says, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. He didn't have much effect in Athens. Because you cannot substitute eloquence for the power of the Holy Spirit. So chapter 18 and verse 1, Acts 18 and verse 1 says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to? Where did he go? You know what he declares in Corinth? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and in power. That encounter in Athens changed his ministry. He says, you know what? I'm not going to try to convince man with wisdom. I will stand on the strength of his word alone. And the power of his Holy Spirit. What does the devil do? What does witchcraft do? Witchcraft tries to substitute the power of the Holy Spirit with eloquence. God says, don't try it. Don't try it. 
the kingdom of god will become ineffective because you cannot do the work of the kingdom empowered by witchcraft if eloquence comes it is fine but you don't ever you ever put your trust in eloquence your trust is in god your trust is in god do we have time for one more witchcraft will put reasoning over faith god has given us reason but god does not lead by reasons he leads by faith and often young ones often the walk of faith will defy reason walk of faith will defy reason in hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7 by faith noah being divinely warned of things not no reason there he's never seen anything like this no rain no flood he has never seen anything so reasonably there is nothing to reason about but with godly fear prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness which is according to faith now what scripture is saying the man of faith by his very act of faith condemned the people of reason the people who were all with reason saw this man building and they said eh, these things never happen they were very reasonable but ultimately the man of faith condemned the men of reason because sometimes often when god leads it defies reason in hebrews 11 and verse 8 by faith abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going defies reason where are you going i don't know why are you going because you told me it defies reason god is not always reasonable <laughs> Hebrews 11 verse 9 By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise These three men in their generations were probably the richest men of that land they had flocks that couldn't be measured camels oxen processions everything servants maid servants slaves everything but one thing God told them you cannot buy land you cannot build your house how many of us would do that let's say you have 10 crores in your account and god says no buying an apartment no buying an apartment no building a house and keep moving keep moving keep moving this is the key let me tell you key of true financial freedom God can give you money if your heart is surrendered to him. This is the most rich man there. But money doesn't hold him. It's God who holds him. The other man who started with him with the same kind of wealth. The wealth was not different. The flocks and the herds of Abraham and Lot were growing together. So it was the same wealth the same herds divided he took his flocks he went into sodom and he built a house he could not be moved 
And when the day of judgment came, he could not be moved from his possessions. Because reason had set in. Faith can always move. Faith makes you willing to move. So if you are a genuine, true person of faith, God can give you resources. Because he knows the resources is not going to bind you. But if he knows the resources is going to bind you, as a father, would he give it? I don't know, I wouldn't. And as I close, Galatians 5, 6, the last thing. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Witchcraft will exalt legalism above love. Love has rules. Legalism has only rules. It has no love. Don't think love doesn't have rules. Love, what it do and what doesn't do. Okay? Sign of witchcraft is it exalts rules above love. And every rule that God gives is only because he loves. Every rule of God behind it. That's how you first fall in love with God and understand his commands are not burdensome because his commands are because he loves us. Legalism, on the other hand, will only tell you rules. And the rules has got nothing to do with love. And watch out for that. Watch out. When you lay down rules for others, ask yourself, why am I laying down rules? Because the rules of legalism produces self-righteousness, which is a byproduct of witchcraft. While the rules of love produces the righteousness of God, which is a product of the Holy Spirit. So go through the message again. Listen to it over and over again. Just don't sit there with your this thing. No, listen to it over and over again. Because how you do listen is, when you listen to these things, God speaks back to you. And he shows you and me where witchcraft is operating in our life. And there, it was not an accident we sang that song which we haven't sung that song here for years. There is power, power in the blood of Jesus. What does 1 John chapter 1, 7 and 9 say? Yeah, can I have that? But if you walk in the light, as is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us. There's nothing that else that can cleanse us. And we need that because once we are cleansed, the power of witchcraft is broken. Once we come into the light, the power of darkness is broken. It is broken. It is no point in looking at your mirror of God's word and identifying the power of witchcraft. Because scripture says, if you confess the words, then he is faithful. He is faithful. And what happens? One, the blood cleanses of sin. And verse 9 says, we, he cleanses us all. Unrighteousness is a byproduct of witchcraft. That is also gone. Sin is also gone. Power of witchcraft is broken. And he says you can walk free. You can walk free. Because that is the key. That is the key. And don't take it lightly. Understand. Don't look in the mirror and think I am so great. No, you are not. I am not. 
Understand from scripture as a close, put that one scripture I gave you, Romans 6 and verse 13. Look in the mirror. This is the mirror. What does it say? Do not present your members as instruments of? So what does that mean? Once upon a time, or maybe even now, the instruments of my body were instruments used by demons. My eyes were used by demons. My ears were used by demons. My tongue was used. My Why did we love to hear something about somebody else? Because there is somebody clinging on to our ear. Who is not of God. Not of God. Do we have that one from First Samuel? Look, look at it. Understand what, how demonic realm works. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David is ten thousand. Was very angry. Why was he angry? How did that get in? It got in through his ear gate, got into his mind. Now he is angry, saying, displease him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousand and to me and okay, come down. So, Saul, there's a demon hanging on to his eye. He's never able to see David as he really is. He's the most loving, loyal soldier Saul has. But he sees it as my enemy. I need to kill him. Because it's hanging on to his eye. You know why we are not able to see certain people? As they really are. Because our eyes have become an instrument of unrighteousness. God says... You sit there and watch all this stuff on your mobile and your phone and on your computer. These things, these things, these things have become instruments of unrighteousness. Instruments of unrighteousness. God says, if you confess, He is faithful. That's how you begin every day, Lord. This body I offer to you today as a living sacrifice, Lord. Cleanse my eyes. Cleanse my ears, cleanse my tongue, cleanse my heart, Lord. I don't want anything hanging on there that perverts what I see, that perverts what I hear, so that what I speak is the perverted truth of God. Because Romans 1 talks about those who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. How is it possible? I don't know. But Bible says it is possible to hold the truth in unrighteousness. Okay. So understand this body is either a vessel of God or spirit can be deep inside and other things hanging in over there. You start every day and what happens? Clarity comes. You hear. You see. You speak. Why? Now the very God, His spirit is seeing through you, hearing through you, speaking through you. Life becomes easy. It's not as, I'm not saying life doesn't, it's not difficult in terms with the world, but life is not burdensome anymore because you realize God is working in me and working through me. Man, let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. We just surrender ourselves into the hands this evening, Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over every one of us. I pray as the Holy Spirit moves, Lord, through our minds, our hearts, our thoughts, showing us where powers of darkness have influenced our thinking. And as we repent, as we confess, and as we forsake, I pray and I believe your word will come to pass. The blood of Jesus will cleanse us 
of every unrighteousness. And we will be able to see better, hear better, speak better and start fulfilling the will, the purpose of God in each one of our lives, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Be with us, Lord. You brought us safely into your house. And as we leave to our various homes, I pray you take us back too safely. Dwell with us and dwell in us, O Lord, more and more, O Father. That's all we desire, more of you, more control into your hands, O Lord, every day. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.